0: Good evening ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of A Good Drop. Every week we talk about a different kind of spirit, or beer, or drink, pretty much alcoholic beverage. Sort of. Sort of. Mostly. Mostly. Uh, this, <laughs> this week we're talking about fruit liqueurs.
1: Yes, fruit liqueurs, and uh, we'll tell you more about that after this message from ourselves. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers.
0: Yeah, so in front of us, we have a bottle of maraschino
1: liqueur, straight yes. from Italy. Well, straight it? from, this is not from Italy.
0: No, oh, no, it's from Croatia. From Croatia,
1: yes. Yes, there is uh, a very interesting story to maraschino liqueur. Now, this, this episode, just, just to be perfectly clear, is not about maraschino liqueur.
0: No, but it has a fascinating backstory to it.
1: Yes, so we will tell you this fascinating backstory in a, in a bit in in a bit. Yeah. So let's let's start by pointing out that fruit liqueur is uh, not not at all like nut liqueurs that we talked about in episode 42 <laughs> nor is it anything like the milk liqueurs we talked about in episode 10 because it is in fact made using fruit. Funny that. Yeah.
0: Um it is still a liqueur and it's all made in a similar method to each other like the Herbs or fruits are steeped in alcohol, yeah, to get all the flavors out of it, and then you drink it.
1: Yeah, yeah, you, and you bottle it, then drink it. Yes, in in the <laughs> same way as herbal liqueurs and milk liqueurs, and. Coffee liqueurs, coffee liqueurs, not yeah. liqueurs. I mean, all liqueurs are produced in a similar fashion.
0: I thought you said all liqueurs for a moment there.
1: Well, I suppose that that is almost an accidental segue to the fact that the majority of older liqueurs were originally thought up as some kind of medicine.
0: Yeah, from uh, what are they? What were they called? Yeah, tinctures. That's what it, is the word I was looking for. They, they all used to be called tinctures, and thought of as local remedies to common ailments, like a cold sniffly yeah. nose. I mean, have you had a shot of high-proof whiskey and not had your nose clear up almost instantly?
1: Yeah, oh, it does the job all right.
0: <laughs> it's probably not the best way to do the job, but it does it.
1: It does it, it, do- hmm. it does it, yep. Yeah. It's very true. <laughs> and uh, I suppose that that is as good a segue as any into the history of the origins of this particular fruit liqueur. At the time that this was created, the recipe was created by the apothecaries of the Dominican monastery in a place called Zara in the Republic of Venice. That area is now Zadar in Croatia. And uh, at that time, though, this drink was not known as what it is known as today. It was known as Rasolj. From the word ros solus, meaning the sundew. And... Uh,
0: yeah, I suppose that kind of makes sense, because you can ha- definitely have alcohol that's fermented by wild yeast from fresh fruit. Like, I know peaches can... I know peaches can get quite uh, uh fizzy if you leave them too long in the fruit bowl. Yeah. So maybe they originally thought that this was a... Or maybe they tried making that the same way, mashing up some fresh peaches or fresh fruit and turning it into a bit of a a wine.
1: Mm, Possibly. Initially, I suppose, turning it into a medicine. They they believed it to have medicinal properties originally, but it later became a drink largely enjoyed by the privileged because of its uh, delicate taste. So then in the 18th century they commenced wide-scale commercial production and uh, began shipping the drink throughout Europe. At that time, they also changed the name to Maraschino because uh, it's made from the fruit and leaves of the Maraschino cherry and its sprigs. Hmm. So they went, let's call this something where people will know what it is so we can sell it outside of our own country. Yeah. And that's exactly what they started doing and shipping it throughout Europe. And um, it became hugely popular, was sought after by distinguished personages, royals and courts from all over Europe, with some producers actually holding royal warrants, entitling them to use the royal coats of arms from royal households of Austria, Great Britain, and Italy. That's fantastic. And uh, there were even cases of British warships being sent to pick up shipments of maraschino (laughs) for the royal family. Yeah, and uh, so then as the popularity grew, a number of other factories emerged, apart from the original one, and they became established, and uh, of course a lot of fraudsters popped up as well. Yeah. People making... Bootleg versions. Bootleg versions of Marachino that was kind of ruining it for everybody else. So all of... This
0: this, this next part fascinates me. Yeah, like, so
1: all the big producers decided to join together. Instead of doing battle with each other, they joined together to form the Industria del Marachino del Zara, or uh, the Marachino Industry of Zara. And working together, they worked, quite successful did very well but then the second world war happened and zara was bombed quite heavily and um, attacked by a lot of troops a number of the big producers were killed including uh, a few from the luxado family who were one of the oldest maraschino producing families before they were able to run away and seek refuge in italy But uh, while they were gone, of course, all of their stuff was confiscated by militaries. The country was taken from Italy and became part of Croatia. Zara became Zadar. And eventually the war ended, but not before places like... uh, Not before a lot of those companies had started up new factories in Italy to attempt to continue their businesses.
0: Yeah, they all banded together, finding bits and pieces from all these, all the different distilleries and factories. And because they'd created a coalition before the war of all the, the different factories, because uh, they'd all banded together, they, they were able to contact each other, uh, start organising for the next era of maraschino liqueur.
1: Yeah, after they had finally gotten back all of their equipment and other things that had been taken off them they banded it all together into the old zadar premises that had belonged to Luxardo, who were no longer using it because they were quite happily producing from a new premises in italy and uh so with what they had there they reopened in zadar as the marasca company zadar and uh they continue operating to this day, not just making Maraschino, but making a number of other liqueurs as well, including a cherry liqueur, plum liqueur, and uh, many others. Mm. And so, yes, we are currently drinking the Marasca Maraschino liqueur,
0: mm. and the the branding from Marasca. Well, their their particular branding style is to create these fantastic looking bottles that we actually mentioned in our Wow Factor episode. Uh they yeah, they, they, they look like uh expensive decanters.
1: Yeah, they they do. They look like those old school nineteen thirties sort of decanters yeah. that uh you know, a wealthy gentleman might a wealthy gentleman have.
0: might have. Yeah. So I'm I actually haven't had maraschino liqueur
1: before. Neither have I. Now, there's a number of uh, different ways that it can be consumed. We started by having it the chilled way, which, um, as with a number of liqueurs, makes it quite syrupy and undoubtedly alters the flavor. And it is recommended that if one has it in this manner, chilled, fresh from the fridge or freezer, that it can be consumed, poured over ice cream or something and just used as a topping.
0: That's so funny. Like, just pour a, a syrupy liqueur over ice cream. I, don't, I hadn't really thought about that, or serving or using liqueur like that.
1: Yeah. And it's also consumed at uh, room temperature after a meal as an aperitif. Oh, wow, it is syrupy. And um, can be drunk at room temperature over ice. That's now, nice. what is inevitably going to happen is that we should, because we had it cold but we had it straight from the freezer but over ice as it slowly warms we should be able to experience the variety of flavors that it's capable of producing
0: yeah it it's i just had a sip it's definitely syrupy and very very little bite to it is very smooth but yeah yeah, it's got like that sort of sugary like sugar acid kind of flavor to it uh, note to it.
1: Yeah, and I get the feeling that might be coming from its current syrupy way because mm. a lot of descriptions of the flavor say that it tastes like eating cherries. Like, not not those glazed maraschino cherries with that super sweetness to it.
0: Oh, it kind of tastes like... It, it does at the moment, mm. but
1: supposedly at um, at a warmer temperature, mm. like room temperature or, or or over ice, it's a little more... ...on the bitter cherry side, but at the moment it's a sweetness with kind of a cherry...
0: A strong cherry note. Yeah, with
1: a strong cherry note Mm. and a a cherry aftertaste.
0: Yeah, it's quite nice. I I think this would be good in a cocktail.
1: Yeah, oh, and there are so many cocktails that (laughs) contain it. And in fact, it's probably something we should have mentioned as a... ...in our Cocktail Staples episode, but it wasn't quite high enough up the list... Mm.
0: Like, there's a lot there, but, you know, not n- not any of the, the big names,
1: I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's in some of the more obscure, some of the more obscure cocktails.
0: Well, le- le- lesser well-known, but still fairly common. Um, I would say that you see those liqueurs more in Italy or Europe, where maraschino liqueur is far more popular than here. Because in Australia, we tend to drink a lot of drinks that are more refreshing yes. than uh, flavorful.
1: Yeah, I mean, maraschino liqueur specifically is used in the cocktails The Angel's Tit, uh, Aviation, Casino, Final Ward, Hemingway Special, The Last Word, Martinez, Mary Pickford, and Tuxedo. Now, interestingly, every single one of those cocktails is a cocktail designed to be served in a martini glass.
0: Interesting. Interesting. All right. I suppose that's a, probably enough about that, this particular fruit liqueur. We should talk about other fruit liqueurs because there's quite a list. Uh, this is coming straight from the Wikipedia because it's got a very very good list. However, very comprehensive. However, some of these are not actually fruit liqueurs. They are bastards
1: yeah so we're going to do our best to not name the ones that aren't actually fruit liqueurs Mm. because some of the ones on this list are just a drink containing fruit juice
0: yeah like for for a very good example hypnotic yeah which is not a fruit liqueur it's a uh well i suppose it's a fruit liquor not a fruit liqueur
1: yeah it, it contains brandy And it contains fruit juice. And vodka. And vodka. It is definitely not Mm. a fruit liqueur because it does not contain alcohol steeped in fruit Mm. or fruit products.
0: Yep. All right. So, and we're also not including schnapps because schnapps is slightly different. Yeah. It's made with a neutral grain spirit and a cordial.
1: Mm, Exactly.
0: So... Right on top, we have Aram, Aram, Am, Amarula, which is a South African liqueur made with the marula
1: fruit. And we have
0: Bad, Badstra. It's a Maltese liqueur made with prickly pear.
1: Hmm.
0: Uh, You've got Cherry Hearing, Cointreau, uh Cur- Curacao, which you may remember from our Curacao episode. Yeah. Made from bitter oranges. Uh, you have Grand Marnier, uh, Grand Gala. I can't pronounce some of these names.
1: Um, Guignolette, (laughs) which is made with wild cherries. Hmm.
0: You have limoncello, which is a lemon liqueur. Quite popular in in Italy, that one. That's um, actually really popular in some of the upmarket steak restaurants because it's used as a digestive to cut through some of the fat from the high marble count
1: steak. It is also in a number of cocktails.
0: Mm. Uh, you've got maraschino, which is what we're drinking now. You have midori.
1: Yeah, which is melon-flavoured. Mm. Which and melon? That's a very good question. And Noyau de poissy, which is... Oh, sorry. Noia de poissy, which is apricot-flavoured.
0: I'm impressed you were able to pronounce that. <laughs> there's, there's Ys and Ss and... Eyes that shouldn't be following each other. Uh, you've got p- Pama, which is a pomegranate liqueur. pucker, an apple liqueur. Oh, I think I know that one. Pucker, That's a, a American one, I believe. Mm. What surprised me is that slow gin is considered a fruit liqueur because of the slow berries that are used
1: Interesting. Kind of
0: like plums.
1: Yeah, there's a number of gins in this list, but I don't think we could consider them all to actually be mm. fruit liqueurs because the fruit is added afterwards. it's not actually steeped in it.
0: Yeah. Uh, you've all, What's not on this list is a blood orange liqueur called Salerno. Yeah. Which I've had before and is really nice. Fantastic red bottle too. And rounding out the list, we have Triple Sec, which is of course oranges there's a lot of orange li- there's a lot of orange liqueurs on this list
1: yeah there are and uh, i suppose we shouldn't or we shouldn't forget vanderhum which is uh, tangerine liqueur from south africa
0: oh yeah all right so there's you know quite a lot of different fruit liqueurs made a very similar way where the the fruit is steeped in a high proof neutral spirit it can be a grain spirit, or it could be something else. We don't know. It could be a grape spirit, mm. but usually a grain.
1: Yes, in uh, I believe in the case of it's frequently brandy. Mm.
0: But bra- fruit brandies are a are a different thing. Yes, yeah,
1: fruit brandies are a different thing entirely. Yeah, because but
0: the the brandy is usually decent brandy. Yeah, with fruit steeped into it after the after the brandy's been made and finished.
1: Yes, exactly. Mm.
0: Which are also quite easy to make if you feel like making them mm. yourself.
1: Yeah, which is what makes it a fruit brandy rather than a fruit liqueur. Mm.
0: Yes, indeed. So, I know you're all fantastic connoisseurs of different kinds of drinks. So, I'm going to give you guys a recipe how, on how to make make your very
1: own fruit-flavoured or berry flavored liqueur. Oh, actually, we did in in that list. What we did miss was plum liqueur. And oh, we yeah. we did mention it earlier as one of the other things that Marasca produces. Indeed.
0: You nearly bought that,
1: didn't you? I did nearly buy the plum liqueur, but this one had such a better story to it.
0: Yeah, so much more history for for the Maraschino liqueur in particular.
1: And what what I'm finding interesting about this Maraschino liqueur. Is the smell versus the flavour. Because it doesn't smell like it should taste the way it does.
0: Yeah, it smells different to the t- to the flavour.
1: Yeah, it, it smells bitter, but it doesn't taste bitter.
0: Yeah, but this could also be because we've had it over ice. Mm. If we had it straight up, I think this would definitely be a very different flavour.
1: Oh, yeah, it would undoubtedly have more bitterness to it, which it's hmm. supposed to have. And we we know Italians <laughs> like bitter drinks. Yeah, you were really worried that this is going to be bitter as fuck. When, <laughs> when, when I smelt it, I was concerned <laughs> that it could be Amaro-style bitter or Grappa-style bitter.
0: Yeah. So how to make your own fruit liqueur or fruit brandy. So you get about a pound or half a kilo of fresh berries or fruit. Have more if you've got slightly... More subtle flavored fruit like blueberries or strawberries, Uh, and less if you've got stronger flavored fruit. Yeah, maybe slightly less of the. Oh, dragon fruit. Dragon fruit? I wouldn't have said that has a strong flavor.
1: It's got a strong smell. Good point. Oh, actually, no, I'm not thinking of dragon fruit. I'm thinking of that one that smells like death.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Don't put that in a brandy. Uh,
1: Durian. Durian.
0: Yeah, they. Yeah, they have a strong smell
1: Yes, they have a very strong smell and a very strong flavour I don't know if that'd go well in a liqueur I don't know People probably wouldn't want to drink a liqueur that smells like rotting flesh (laughs) 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 But it's a tasty fruit If you like durian (laughs) If you can get past the smell of it, I quite like the taste of it If you can get past the smell of it It's probably alright cooked
0: don't use durian in a liqueur. Well, I mean, actually, feel free to use durian in a liqueur if you feel like it, and let us know the uh, let us know the end result. I'm curious whether it's going to smell like death or not. Um, if so, once you've got your fruit, cut it into pieces. Don't macerate it or crush it or anything like that. You don't need to put it in a bottle or a bowl or whatever whatever you're using a jar and then you get your 80 proof vodka or uh, pure grain alcohol you get about three cups of that and about one and a quarter cups of sugar you pour all those in to a container together and leave it for two to four weeks the longer the better
1: yeah in fact that is something I have done previously with vodka and chilies me too Mm.
0: I accidentally made uh, like a, a chili essence because I put about half a dozen habaneros in a bottle of vodka.
1: That may be too many.
0: That was definitely too many. <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted to add spice to a uh, to a dish, that was the way to do it. I think the um, I, I think that ended up getting thrown out because it was just too spicy.
1: So I, I think I put about a half dozen jalapenos into a bottle of vodka. Ah. And that worked quite well.
0: Yeah. Jalapenos are far less spicy oh, than yeah. habaneros.
1: Yeah, because you want to be able to drink it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. That was the problem. You couldn't drink it. Mm. Um I've also made a apricot brandy. Um and that was with a that was with a, a brandy and a whole pile of dried apricots. Not fresh fruit, obviously, but it still worked. Came out quite syrupy and very smooth.
1: Mm. Hmm. Well, hopefully that's some good ideas there for all of our listeners at home. If they've got some vodka or other grain spirit that they want to do something with,
0: yeah, let us know your let us know what you're going to do, and uh, let us know the results of it. You can send us an email to a good drop at gmail dot com. We'd love to hear any feedback from your uh, fruit liqueur escapades.
1: Yes, absolutely, and of course, if you'd like to. Uh, Tell your friends about this episode to share it with them or to listen to any of our other episodes. You can find them all on our good old-fashioned website a gooddrop.com.au.
0: Hmm. We'd also love you, if you haven't already, we'd love you to hit hit that subscribe button.
1: Smash that like button. Smash
0: the like button for our uh, our, our podcast feed. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app or or Podbean. We are a good drop all about alcohol, and uh, you don't forget to find us on our social media websites.
1: Yeah, we are on uh, Facebook and Instagram, and on the rare occasion on YouTube, but don't watch that; it's terrible. <laughs> and we are a good drop podcast.
0: So next week we're gonna we're going back to beer.
1: Yes, we are going to talk about. The Indian Pale Ale.
0: It's not called the Indian Pale Ale, it's the India Pale Ale. That's
1: right, that is a common mistake that a lot of people make is calling it <laughs> Indian Pale Ale. Including us.
0: I just call it IPAs now. Uh, or an IPA. Uh, there's so much history to it, and a plot twist that we weren't expecting.
1: Yes, it was more surprising than the end of Endgame.
0: Which I haven't seen, don't you spoil it for no, me.
1: Nobody is going to spoil it for anybody.
0: Good, we would lose all all our listeners (laughs) if we did with good
1: reason alright with good reason but now that we've said endgame we'll pick up a lot of extra people
0: (laughs) maybe maybe anyway thanks for listening guys and until next week cheers cheers